Welcome to Dear Wallflower, your podcast advice column for the woman who desires to deepen and beautify her inner world. With every episode, I, along with frequent guests and experts, will answer a letter from listeners just like you who are looking for insight and wisdom on the most pressing questions in their story right now. Make sure to stick around until the end for recommendations on books, movies, music, lifestyle, beauty, and more. I'm so glad you're here. Grab a cup of tea and come on in. Welcome, dear listeners, to this episode of Dear Wallflower, a podcast for the woman with a deep inner world. I am your host, Kelia Clarkson. I am an actress, writer, and the editor-in-chief of Wallflower Journal, and I'm so excited to introduce you to today's guest. Joe Hargreaves is a psychotherapist, a speaker, and a writer based in the UK. She is a self-described faith-filled therapist whose approach is to integrate theology with therapy. She is the author of The Camouflage Sacred, a collection of liturgy, poetry, and prayer. She is a wife to one and a mother to three, and I am so excited to have you here today with us. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. We have an incredible letter that we're going to be speaking into today. But before we get into that, let's get into our pre-letter segment of the show called Roses and Thorns, where we recount our highs and lows of the week, starting with our thorn, something that left us feeling dry or depleted or frustrated that week, and finishing up with our rose, something that fostered our inner world or brought us joy or built us up. And as we walk through our own roses and thorns, I encourage you, dear listeners, to reflect on your own roses and thorns and reflect on the various disappointments that you faced this week, but also the various joys that came your way. And so as we walk through that, you can even jot down some of the things that you think about. So let's, without further ado, get into this. Joe, what was your thorn this week? Hmm. I'm going to be really honest with you. And actually, it was reflecting on my screen time. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you get your screen time notification and I looked at it, I, I got it and I thought, oh, gosh, I it made me feel bad about myself. It made me feel like I'd wasted a lot of time. But it also made me reflect a little bit further about maybe what state my nervous system's in been, has been over the last couple of weeks to feel like I just want to lie in bed and... Sometimes after a particularly busy time, lie in bed. And for me, it's cleaning videos. I love watching those videos where people clean. They're always Americans as well. I love it. Um, so, um, yeah. So I was. if I'd sum it up, it would say being faced with my own screen time and my own procrastination has been a bit of a thorn for me this week. Oh, wow. How many of us have not had that moment? <laughs> I, I also love cleaning videos. There's something really just so satisfying about them but then when you've been watching them for an hour that's probably (laughs) an issue (laughs) yeah and what about your rose this week uh I found um I've got three kids and my middle boy is seven and I found a valentine's card that he will inevitably give me on valentine's day and it said dear mum dear mummy I pray that you walk closer with God every day love Smith aka Smith dog which is very sweet so that was a real rose for me this week I loved it 
Oh, that is so sweet. I can't wait to get a letter like that of my own one day from, oh. from my son or daughter. <laughs> That's so heartening. Wow. Well, my thorn this week is um, anyone who knows me knows that I, I love to read. And it's one of the, the joys in my life is picking up a book and settling down for the night. And so one of my thorns has been that I have been working a little bit later than I usually do. I, I work from home, so I'm lucky enough in that respect, but I've been working a little bit later than I normally do. And so by the time I get to bed, I'm just a little too tired to get through that next chapter. And I, I keep feeling my mind drifting and it's been hard to really been able to to really be able to just sit down and enjoy my books. So I think that's been my thorn this week. But as for my rose, I've been making some pretty good progress on a writing project that I'll eventually share with everyone here. But it, it just feels wonderful to, you know, finally get to the end of the week and feel like I earned my weekend relaxation. And I, I really poured myself into work that matters this week. And so I had that moment as I was going into this past weekend. And so I would say that was my rose. It's just feeling feeling like I got something really productive and, and meaningful done that week. All right, so just a couple of things before we move on for our letter for today. If you've been enjoying this podcast, please consider leaving us a review. It helps to boost the podcast and get it in front of other people who might enjoy it and get something from it. And we would love to encourage you to send in your own letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. We would be honored to have the opportunity to speak into the issues that you are facing in your story today. Okay, so let's move on to the letter for today, which covers the subject of how to go about improving our mental health, even when we aren't able to afford counseling. Dear Wallflower, I am a woman in my 20s. I've been thinking a lot recently about the various struggles in my life, I guess somewhat brought on by the holidays that recently passed and the beginning of a new year. I am currently single, don't have many friends, and have a sometimes challenging relationship with my family and feel stuck in my career. I have a lot in my life to be thankful for, but if I'm honest, there are times when I feel a sort of darkness. I've struggled in the past with depression and anxiety, and sometimes I can feel myself slipping into a sort of depressive mode where I just kind of hide from the world and feel hopeless. I want to go to counseling, but at the moment, I just don't have the money for it. I feel like there must be something I can do for my mental health in the meantime, ways that I can improve it and begin to feel less and less like I have no control over it. What do you suggest I do from hoping for a way forward. So I think this is a really incredible topic that I'm excited to have you, Joe, speaking into because I think most of us, and speaking from personal experience, I've found myself in seasons where I, I feel like I just don't have that much control over my emotional state and where my mind is going and the, you know, the depressive modes that I might slip into myself and feeling caught because I feel like going to therapy is the only way, but I don't necessarily have the ability to pay for counseling all the time. And so we can feel really stuck in a rut and just kind of a catch 22 that makes us feel totally helpless. So 
I am a huge proponent of going to therapy and working with a professional, but is it possible to improve our mental health and our emotional state without seeing a counselor? And if so, to what extent? Yeah, great question and great letter. And like you said, really relatable. Those times where you just feel, oh, I'm feeling anxious or lonely. I want to detach from the world, that kind of darkness coming on. And what I always think is that what, however we're feeling will absolutely make sense given the wider context of our life. So if we're caught in patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking, feeling anxious, feeling depressed, often people think that that's a shortcoming in them and it's a problem in them. But actually, if you can scan out to the wider context of their life historically, um, it will all make sense why people feel the way they do. So the first thing I would ever say to someone is it makes sense that you feel that way. Um, let's understand why. And then, as you said at the beginning, part of my passion and um, what I'm kind of really laying my life down for, that sounds very dramatic, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> what I'm happy, I'm not laying down my life at all, I'm having loads of fun doing it. But like one of the things that I am living for is to show how actually there's so many ways that are inherent to our being um, that can help us feel better about ourselves. And you talk about this um, intersection of therapy and theology that I mentioned on my website. That's what I do. So I'd love to talk over some things. Um, do you want me to go over some points now of just specifically? Yeah, I, I would love to get into practical things here that a way that we can invite our faith into our, our mental health and invite God into the dis- difficult spaces that we find ourselves in. What are the practical things, nitty gritty things that you have found help your patients and even help you. Yeah. And that's absolutely how it started with helping me. So I don't come at it just from a professional point of view. I come at it from really being in the trenches, knowing what it feels like to feel really overwhelmed for me. It was health anxiety, but I understand that like the, the dark, the dark feeling coming in, particularly if you've got a rich inner world, like you said at the beginning, Mm -hmm. for people who have a rich inner world, it just feels like the flip side of the coin is that sometimes that can feel quite difficult and tricky and, um, Yeah. So um, there are. So based on the premise that I would say that wholeness, well-being, mental health, emotional health is all God's idea. It's all his design. And often um, a lot of these practical things have been co-opted by secular society or even new age movements. But actually, if we look biblically, they're God's. So let's look at this idea of darkness that people might feel. We go right back to Genesis 1. And in the beginning where there's darkness, nothingness, emptiness and chaos God breathes God hovers and breathes his breath and out the ruach of God hovers over the the earth and creates things and so I would say the biblical principle that is where we get this theological and therapeutic intersection is that God always uses breath to bring order to chaos and darkness and we see this because breath work is very very powerful mm-hmm. so um, there's some really practical things that you can do here without seeing a therapist with just getting in touch with your own body is breath work and we see that when we breathe deeply you activate something called the parasympathetic system which soothes the sympathetic system which is where the fight flight freeze fawn comes from so when you're breathing 
deeply and particularly when your exhale is longer than your inhale you activate that system so yes it's great to sit with a therapist and talk through that but equally sometimes you just need to do something practical and that's breath work you can do that and that's free something else you can do and I know we hear a lot about this um, in recent times but um, it really is God's idea is this idea of gratitude now I know when you're not feeling great to kind of scrape the barrel to find things you're grateful for can feel a difficult practice but it's important because recent studies show that your brain as brilliant as it is can't be anxious and grateful at the same time and then I think well I've already read that in Philippians 4 verse 6 don't be anxious about anything but in everything through prayer and thanksgiving make your request known to God and the peace of Christ that surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind so being grateful is a really powerful discipline and I think sometimes we think, oh, God's expected me to be grateful. How can that's almost cruel of him because everything's so difficult. But actually, God's wired your brain for gratitude. When you're grateful, you get a boost of serotonin, which is the feel good hormone. You can get a boost of dopamine, which is the reward neurotransmitter, the reward hormone. So when we're grateful, it's not just about God saying, mind your please and thank yous. It's, a, it's being invited into a practice that actually helps us feel better. And there's so many of those through the scriptures. Um, another one, and I'll just, I'll do this. I'll, I'll say this one and then hand back to you because there's a whole load of them. But another one is taking your thoughts captive. We read it in 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. If we, li- if we listen to ourselves too much, if we listen to our own thoughts, I know for me personally, if I listen to my own thoughts, I end up wanting to lie in bed watching cleaning videos. I don't, it, it doesn't lead me down a good path. But actually... 2 Corinthians 10, 5 tells us to take our thoughts captive. Now, often Christians would take that scripture and think, okay, that means I have to suppress and repress my thoughts. I don't think it does because when you have a captive, what you do is you almost grab them by the scruff of the neck and say, why are you here? Like, tell me what you're tell me what you want why are you here you interrogate them and I think often we need to interrogate our thoughts and understand why are we feeling this way and a very practical way you can do it is if you're stood in the shower have going over worst case scenarios or having a pretend argument in your head like I often do or much less now nowadays is like just stop take the thought captive make it obedient to Jesus and and begin to get curious about why you might be feeling that way. And then things like gratitude, things like breath work can be very practical ways to help you. Wow. So there's a lot to go through here. First, I I love that you brought up something just as simple as breath work, which is we breathe all day long and we don't even realize that there is a right way and a quote wrong way to breathe that one will sow um, uh, steadiness in our heart and okay, I am feeling more secure now. And another one is going to sow anxiety and just even more, um, uh, scary or depressive thoughts. And something that I really liked that you said was when we think about taking a thought captive, I agree with you. I think too often our interpretation of that is, So that means that I have to kind of like press delete file, um, get rid of this thought, sweep it under the rug. It doesn't exist. But I loved your idea of, no, when we are taking something captive, we are confronting it. We are going, why are you here? What 
what is causing your presence in my mind. And I think that's a really um, important thing to not just run away from the hard things that we're feeling in life and, and the things that are causing um, pain that, that returns that, that we keep on having these difficult depressive thoughts. And so this kind of brings up another question. Um, I think sometimes I, an issue that I've seen in um, the Christian community or even just the, the religious community is that I think sometimes a lot of people will have some hesitations with um, therapy and, and mental health. And, you know, my husband has struggled with severe mental illness his entire life. And he has talked to me and to others about um, how many times he's, you know, been told to just pray it away. You know, if you believe enough, um, it will go away. You will be healed. If you say the right prayer or pray enough, you will no longer have this mental illness. So what do you say to those who might be hesitant towards the idea of counseling or, or working on their mental health, even outside of counseling for very real mental health issues because of, of this idea that has been instilled in their mind, or maybe those who feel shame that they continue to struggle with their mental health, even though they've, um, they've prayed about it, they've been prayed for, um, or those who, have maybe approached a pastor about a struggle that they've been uh, handling or trying to handle and haven't felt any better off after that. What do you say to people who, despite their best efforts, feel shame for mental health issues that they still struggle with? Yeah. Oh, and I I see this all the time and my heart goes out to people um, who are clearly struggling and getting unhelpful and I would even say unhealthy and unholy advice um, or people who feel like they just have to mask it. And in order to be a good Christian, they have to suppress and repress all these feelings. And I always look at the compassion of God that Old Testament, we read in Psalm 103, God slow to anger, abounding in love, full of compassion. And the compassion of Jesus, that he saw the crowds and had compassion on them. So the context we're working in is that God is incredibly compassionate. And actually, what I learn from working with people pastorally or therapeutically is that in order for people to heal and to find wholeness. And we know that it's biblical because God says, well, throughout scripture, we see that God's always inviting us into wholeness. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 tells us God is making us holy and whole in our body, soul, and spirit. So number one, that tells me that it's a journey. He is making us holy and whole. It's not just a one-off, say this prayer, do this thing. It's a sanctifying journey of being made holy and whole. And really, actually, if you pick apart the the root words behind salvation, that's what it means about this process, this journey um, of wholeness, holiness. Um, But anyway, what I would say is one of the key things people need in order to, to 
get in touch with that is to feel safe and to feel loved. Now, you cannot heal in any way, um, particularly emotionally and mentally. You cannot heal if you don't feel safe and you don't feel loved. So if you're bringing your very human brokenness into a church system or into to a pastor where they give you advice that doesn't make you feel safe and doesn't make you feel loved, then you're not you're not going to heal. So for me, feeling so feeling safe and feeling loved. Let me just give you some some context to that. Um, when we feel unsafe and a lot of mental health issues are really um, rooted in fear um not all some some are completely somatic they're completely to do with your body they're completely to do with your what you've inherited your disposition but i do think we all do have a disposition and some people have more of a disposition towards deeper thinking or towards anxiety but i don't believe that your predisposition is your predestination i don't think it needs to be a sentence over your life but if you a lot of this stuff is to do with fear Now, when we feel fearful, we get flooded with cortisol. So whether it's OCD, anxiety, worry, feeling overwhelmed, even feeling depressed, often it's the root root causes of fear. When we feel full of fear, like I said, we get flooded with cortisol. Now, what's been discovered is that what helps counterbalance cortisol and actually rids the body of cortisol is a neurotransmitter called oxytocin. Oxytocin is what is released when you feel loved, when you feel unconditionally accepted and you know that you're loved. And for me, that's the gospel is God coming down to earth with skin on saying, I love you. You're so loved. I'm so compassionate towards you. So I would say to anybody that's that's feeling like they're struggling with this stuff and hasn't received advice that's been healthy or holy for them. Number one, remember the compassion of Jesus. Number two, remember that you need to feel safe and loved in order to 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 heal and number three that when you do feel loved the it literally changes what's going on in your body because the oxytocin eats up the cortisol which we read in 1 john 14 perfect love casts out fear um and we see that that isn't just a spiritual principle it figured it physicalizes in our body and often i see people being so brutal and so unkind with people that are struggling with their mental health there's no love there there's no sense of safety there and therefore there's no healing it just perpetuates so if you're struggling find god's compassion extend god's compassion to yourself put your peak yourself around people who will be compassionate and find an environment in which you feel safe and in which you feel loved because not only will that help you into spiritually but it physicalizes in your body and will help change the composition chemically of what's going on for you Mm. I I absolutely love that idea that you brought up that it's not just a a spiritual idea that love casts out fear. It's a physical um, reality that we can experience, that we have all experienced. Um, Those are really incredible thoughts. And, you know, some of the, the practices that have, I have felt have have been really helpful in my own um, mental health journey as, you know, someone who's been in and out of, of therapy, but can't always, you know, uh, afford the, the weekly sessions. Um, something that has been really helpful for me, number one, is picking up the right books by great minds that have influenced 
so many because a you know a book is is a it's a conversation you can't speak back but you can be affected by the thoughts of these incredible minds so that's my my first little bit of advice here to our our letter writer is get reading and on wallflower journal the our online magazine we have a lot of book lists for you, for you all to look through um it's obviously not a, a replacement for the communication that you can find with a counselor which i think is really just so very very needed if you're able to get it but it is a way of learning from very great and deep minds and um another thing that comes to mind is if there is a woman that you know that you admire that you know maybe she's at your church see if you can get a coffee with her or just connect with her and see what you can learn from her obviously without just dumping all of all of everything that you're going through um on her lap but um mentorship is so valuable to mm-hmm young women and and finding something who is willing and able to walk through the paths with you that you're on that they've been on before um i think is a, a really incredible thing um i think also another idea would be listening to podcasts by by different mental health specialists and i wonder if you have any suggestions on on podcasts joe but a couple that i have really loved in the past are um the the place we find ourselves which is uh Adam Young that's that's who um who hosts that and then the Allender Center podcast is another one that I've listened to and you know both of these men are um mental health professionals they are very much safe places they are very soothing pre- uh, presences to um to invite into your into your mind and your heart. And so those are two people that I would recommend. Do you have any, do you know of any um, other mental health podcasts, Joe, that you listen to, or you might recommend to your um, clients? I I am much more of a reader because I think, um, so I'm much more of a reader. And I think um, that there are, I mean, I imagine that you could go onto any platform and type in mental health and get some great stuff. I know Dr. Caroline Leaf does a podcast and she does quite a lot on mental health and sometimes she intersects um, scripture and neuroscience. Um, So I would recommend Dr. Caroline Leaf. I really like the work of the holistic psychologist. Um, She's written numerous books. Um, I'm not sure if she's got a podcast, but she does loads on social media. And although she's not um, overtly or even particularly faith-based and may kind of stray slightly more into the new age stuff. If you can take the content based on the, based on the truth that it's all God's idea, well-being is his design for humanity. So if you can take her content and, and redeem it through that, that lens, um, I find that particularly helpful. But I really agree with what you said about mentorship because neurobiologically people are designed for connection. And often when we don't feel great, when the dark cloud feels like it's there, when we feel anxious, we want to disconnect. We want to get under the duvet. We just want to um, under the, uh, do you call it a duvet in America? Blanket? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, you just can't, it's it's um, so true that often we want to disconnect. But yes, I absolutely agree that connection with somebody at church, connection. Um, and you might 
actually find that there are, instead of um, paying for weekly therapy, often there are some subscription groups that are once a month where maybe um, you do some um, some of these practices, whether it's gratitude or journaling or reflection, and it could just be a good way of finding that connection. But yeah, absolutely, mentorship and connection with other human beings, it can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, I, I think that that is absolutely how we were uh, created to to find wisdom and comfort is from each other. And so last thing, all of these things that Joe mentioned that I just mentioned, they all require practice. You know, therapy is, um, it's something that you do regularly every week. And so just like that, these should become rhythms that you, um, integrate into your everyday life that will make way for incremental growth over a long period of time. You're not going to feel better after the, after just one podcast or maybe you will, but it won't necessarily last forever. That feeling it's, it's something that you have to continue to invest in your, um, your mental health. So those are just my last thoughts. Do you have any last, uh, last words before we move on to our next segment, Joe? Something that I'm a bit, um, um, I, I keep going on about, particularly for women, is there will be, you absolutely 100% have to build it in as a practice. But again, be incredibly compassionate to yourself. Because if you are a woman, because women are um, cyclically hormonal, there will be times of the month where you're going to feel like, yes, I can do it all. I'm feeling so much better. I'm going to do all my practices. Look at me, superwoman. And fast forward 10 days and you're feeling exhausted and terrible again. That's a natural cycle. So I would say don't feel like you're going to nail everything every single day. We're incredibly cyclical. Think of the seasons, spring, summer, autumn, winter, and just think of that in your own in, in your own cycle. So there's times where I'm really great at practicing all this stuff and there's times when I'm terrible. But actually, over the course of a month, it balances itself out. So I always say to women, please be compassionate to yourself and take that cyclical nature into, into um, your awareness. Absolutely. We have seasons where we bear much fruit and seasons where we do not bear much fruit. <laughs> and that is, that is okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, it is time for the May We Suggest segment of the podcast, where we suggest you the things that we have been reading, watching, eating, or wearing this week that made us really happy to be alive. Everything we suggest will be linked in the description of this episode for you to check out. So, Joe, what is your suggestion this week? Mm, mine is kombucha maybe you're onto it already but um i've just discovered a really nice brand of kombucha and really good tastes really good really good for gut health and gut actually serotonin all your feel-good hormones aren't made in your brain they're made in your gut so gut health really important and um kombucha has been the one for me wow it just sounds like the uh the magical drink that just gives you everything you need (laughs) (laughs) what wouldn't that be great if you could just drink one drink and everything would be fine? <laughs> yeah, just a bottle of kombucha. I've had kombucha a couple of times and it's definitely something that's grown on me every mm. single time I've had it. Yeah. Well, my suggestion this week is a candle that I have. I'm not sure how to say the brand name because it's a very weird uh, word that looks like our life, but 
I don't know how it's pronounced, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and link it. Um, the one that I have burning on my desk as we speak is a lavender woods scent. And I typically don't even like lavender, but this is actually a really beautiful scent and it's a soy candle. So you don't have to worry about anything unhealthy in it. So if you're just looking for something to boost your mood that way, I would suggest a lavender woods candle. All mm. right. To wrap up this episode, before we sign off, Joe, how can listeners find and connect with you and check out what you're up to? Yeah, so I'm over on Instagram at the Faith Build Therapist. And then my website, which has got all my resources and links to upcoming webinars and all the kind of work that I do, is joehargreavestherapy.com. Wonderful. And where can people pick up a copy of your book if they're interested? Yeah, so I've got two. Um, the Camouflage Sacred, you can get that on Amazon in America. Um, and I think I saw that it was in Barnes & Noble. Somebody showed me that. And um, yeah, then I've got another book, um, Managing Your Mind God's Way, which you could find on my website. And actually, I will link, I'll do a um, a 25% discount um, if you put in the code Wallflower. Um, then oh. you can get it off that book. Oh, perfect. Everyone go do that. That's amazing. All right. Well, if you want to get in contact with me, you can search my name on any of the socials and reach out. And of course, check out Wallflower Journal for new articles on relationships, beauty, recipes, personal stories, and so much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Dear Wallflower today. If you have a question you would like answered, you can send your letter to dearwallflower at wallflowerjournal.com. Every letter read will be kept totally anonymous. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week.